Since becoming a parent and as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more mindful of the supplements and products that I use, and that's why I love Peary. These are natural food supplements that I trust completely. Let's talk a bit about collagen. So collagen is so important for our bodies, but our natural production of it slows as we get older. So I've learned and quality supplements support our muscle, bone, and joint health. Recently, I've been taking Puri's CP1 Pure Collagen Peptides. It was number one out of 28 collagens tested by the Organic Consumers Association and Clean Label Project. There are enough hard decisions that we make every day as parents, and this makes Puri an easy choice. See and feel the difference with Puri. I know you'll love their supplements as much as I do. Puri is offering my listeners an amazing deal, 20% off site-wide. Just go to my special URL, puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy, and use my promo code, Dr. Cassidy. So go to P-U-O-R-I.com slash Dr. Cassidy. Don't miss out. Use promo code, Dr. Cassidy at puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm so glad you're tuning in today. In this episode, we are unpacking the roots of perfectionism. Perfectionism and I, we go way back. And over the past year or so, I've been doing a lot of personal work in understanding my relationship with perfectionism. And in that work, I've done a lot of unpacking of my own family systems experiences and childhood experiences and systemic influences. And this work led me to learning from Monique Melton, our guest today. Monique is an educator, published author, content creator, international speaker, and host of the Shine Brighter Together podcast. She's also the founder of Shine Bright School, which is a global community of people dedicated to doing the work from the inside out for our liberation. Having been published in publications such as Forbes, Fast Company, NBC, and more, Monique has touched the lives of people all over the world. She's a wife to her high school sweetheart and a loving mother to two little ones. She's also a natural, big, bold dreamer and a joyfully unapologetic black woman who believes we shine brighter together. I cannot wait for you to learn more from Monique. So let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. 
Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Monique, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. I am really excited to learn more from you and to just be in conversation with you today all around perfectionism. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I would first love to give the listener a chance to get to know you a little, get a little bit of your story, background, what lights you up, and that way they can begin that relationship with you here. Yeah. Well, I can tell you one thing that lights me up is really lovely hand soap. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I just washed my hands before we got started. Mm -hmm. And I, because I have two different soap pumps in my bathroom yeah. and they have two different types of soap and one of them is a new one and it's and I used it and it was I was surprised like oh this is a new scent and I love this scent I love really delightful scents especially hand washing it's just yeah and it, you I know love it. I love that because you know with COVID and everything like hand washing just became this like Thing. And I think I think a thing that kind of maybe had some like stress and anxiety around it, right? You know, and so I I don't know. I feel like you kind of like reclaimed it. You're like I'm gonna. This is gonna become something that I love and bring and sparks joy and a luxury. And it like you know maybe it like triggers that that scent that that scent smell that can like you know bring really great feelings to our bodies. So I love, I love that. I love it. And I feel like people should have been washing their hands before COVID. Yeah. Like, what was y'all doing? Why did y'all not have soap at the house? What was going on? But um, yeah. <laughs> I've been washing my hands. <laughs> but that's one of the things that's like, and, and I love just speaking, the kids and I, I led them through a yoga, meditative, imaginative experience and it was so lovely and then we painted together and I was just like really loving it so that's mm-hmm. what lights me up these days but just you know a little bit about me I am married to my high school sweetheart I always tell folks that we met each other in weightlifting class and we've been spotting each other ever since I love um, it. it's it is absolutely corny and that's okay I embrace that Um, I'm married to him. We love each other so much. We've been together almost 20 years. Well, we've been married for almost 20 years and we have two beautiful black children together. We are U.S. citizens living in Spain and I'm a whole human. I'm a whole human. Mm. I, I always like to say that to remind everyone, including myself, um, because one of the, the devastating things about living in a society with so many different intersecting systems of oppression is the dehumanization that mm-hmm. comes from that and the impact of that from generation to generation. So reminding ourselves, I'm a whole human, is a, is a statement that means so much. It means mm-hmm. so much. And the work that I get to do is 
all about centering and pursuing black liberation through a number of things. And one is being the founder of the Shine Bright School. So that's a little bit about me. I love style. I love fashion. I love, you know, a good meal, a good conversation. And I love being at home. (laughs) I I love love the house. I love when I come home. I love going places that I want to go. And I love coming home. Coming back home. Yes. Absolutely. I love it. So, uh, I also married my high school sweetheart. And just because you were like, you love the corniness. And my husband and I met in a chemistry class. And my corny things, I'm always like, we had chemistry, you know? <laughs> That's kept the chemistry going. Listen, you better embrace <laughs> it, okay? <laughs> yep. And then we had anatomy after. And then, and then, then things start to get a little less like, you know, um, uh, PG rated. So it's like, you know, we, we, then we studied anatomy together, you know, why not? <laughs> you really got to get involved in your body, huh? <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> there we go. Look, young um, listeners, go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, okay. Perfectionism. It is, uh, I've had a relationship with perfectionism. I think from before I can even remember, I think my body remembers observing perfectionism. And I've been doing a lot of personal work lately in therapy around my relationship with perfectionism. And then uh, you came along and I um, am in the midst of doing your uh, course on breaking up with perfectionism. I've been working with my DEI coach on my relationship with perfectionism and how it shows up in my work and how it hurts Black people. And I am uh, really honored to be in conversation with you today around this. And so maybe we can start with understanding how perfectionism hurts everybody and a little bit maybe around some of the roots of perfectionism in white dominant culture, white supremacy, and understanding how it hurts Black people in particular. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really glad that you mentioned the class because this is probably one of our, I'm not sure if it's our most popular classes, but it might be, I don't know, but I've I've definitely received a lot of feedback from people over time who've taken this class in terms of just being so blown away at Mm. how pervasive what perfectionism is and the multitude of ways in which it shows up in our lives and how it's normalized and also the ways that it interferes with our relationships and it harms us and it especially harms black folks. So I'm glad you mentioned the class because this is definitely a conversation that I encourage folks to explore further with the class. Um, we have a three-part series because perfectionism is so involved. There's so many pieces to it. And one of the things I want people to understand is that perfectionism is white supremacy by another name. Mm-hmm. And it is a tool. It's a metric. It is a weapon that is used to justify the stratification of people along the lines of race. And what's even more devastating with that is that 
black folks, we internalize perfectionism and attempt to adhere to perfectionism as a, it's a trauma response, but it's a means of survival. It's a way to alleviate potentially, possibly maybe alleviate the occurrences and the, the realities of anti-black violence or to potentially reduce the likeliness or the impact of it. And so if I'm perfect enough, then perhaps I won't have to endure or suffer that oppression or to that level of severe severity. Mm-hmm. And so when we think back to, for example, um, the time of legalized chattel slavery and how black people were forced to perform unpaid labor in the most heinous and dehumanizing conditions, you had no room for error. Mm. There were there was no there was no margin. There was no, oh, we all make mistakes or you're human. You make a mistake, you mess up, you or even if you don't even produce the same amount of labor you did the week prior, the consequences were harsh and severe. And Black folks have responded to the constant threat of whiteness and the ever-present white gaze using a number of tactics that have unfortunately been even more dangerous for us in the in the pursuit of in the process of them in our internalizing perfectionism we are not allowing ourselves to connect and identify with the our own humanity and we don't necessarily realize that's what's happening but it also feels like it's necessary in order to survive and that's why there are so many of us who talk about you know, reclaiming our humanity by acknowledging our full humanness and our ability to learn and to make mistakes and to get to start over and to offer that for ourselves, even if it isn't offered to us in the world or in our relationships. And it's just so many different aspects to perfectionism and how it Um, affects us, but it really does warp our ability to grow because we stay in this constant place of wanting to perform and wanting to be right and wanting to avoid failure, which makes curiosity, which makes taking risks, taking chances, exploring new things feel feel dangerous, feel threatening. Really, they're a part of living and growing and experiencing our environments and experiencing our relationships and even just experiencing ourselves. So there's just so many pieces to it, but I think people can start with trying to understand that it is white supremacy by another name, which hopefully motivates folks to say, wait a minute, there's more to me divesting from perfectionism just so that I can be free from the stress and pressure of it, but also so that I can stop perpetuating violence against black people. Like hopefully that will motivate you beyond just the individual benefits of healing from perfectionism. Hmm. What really struck me in learning from you and in your work in part one of your course, when you really do 
describe the history of perfectionism and the roots in, you know, here in the U.S. and worldwide um, with the roots in slavery. And then the impact that that has is our, you know, society has continued on and systems have been built, how the roots of that is pervasive across all of these systems that we navigate on a day-to-day basis. The healthcare system, our academic system, and and there is even, um, you know, even things that you, one thing that you, you mentioned in, in the course that I was like, oh, I have for sure said this. Um, you've also, you also described sort of the, the ableism that shows up within uh, the history around perfectionism. And, you know, a lot of the folks who tune into the podcast and that I work with are expecting or in that postpartum, you know, stage of life. And one of the things that I know I've said before when people asked, oh, is it a boy? Is it a girl? Right? Like, uh, something that I know I've said is, you know, all, all we just, all we hope for is that the baby is healthy. And even just within that, right? Like, what is the message there? That this baby is, is what? Is, is good enough? Is, um, is worthy enough if they are, if they've got 10 fingers, 10 toes and, and health, right? And, and even if like the intention behind that is, um, you know, oh, I just, is, is, is this, is, is quote unquote hope, right? Hope for health, right? Then the influence though, if that baby comes out with any sort of disability or an extra toe, right? Like what is, what does that mean for how that, those parents are going to feel towards that child based on how the world is going to potentially look at that child. And then the influence that that has just on every little um, experience or exposure that that family and that child has to others, to the healthcare system, to each other, right? And, and then it makes me think about how, you know, the, maybe the root of that was like hope or something, you know, not quote unquote bad intentioned, but it's just something that we're used to saying, right? And so I also think that it makes me think about when we look at a child and a child who does show up in the world with people pleasing, uh, perfectionist tendencies, how much easier that is, right? Like then the child who is, you know, going to let their feelings out, <laughs> like show up with like their whole humanity, right? Uh, which the rest of us have learned to maybe repress. And just how how much easier it is for us to, to show, um, to see that child as quote unquote good, right? And so I don't know, it just, it shows up in all of these systems, the how 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 a how a school system is going to engage with that child, right? That shows up tr- striving for this unrealistic perfectionism, or shows up as a people pleaser. Then they are the child who's going to show up with all the parts that the rest of us have learned to repress. I don't know. It's just I, I, the more I thought about it, the more pervasive it became. And so I just invite the listener, especially. Um, 
my white listeners to when you hear Monique say it's white supremacy by another name and you've noticed the part of you that wants to reject that, to just to keep listening and to dive deeper with her in her courses because there's there's a lot there to unpack. And yeah, it's hurting it's hurting all of us. For myself as a white passing person, I know that it has hurt me. It has hurt my relationships. And and there are ways in which it has continued to hurt those who have experienced much more oppression than I have. Absolutely. It continues to hurt. And you know, I want to mention something you brought up about when we say, I just want them to be healthy. What we're really acknowledging is our own awareness of the ableist world that we live in and our own, our own ableist beliefs. When we say that, sure, we don't, we, no one, no parent wants to see their child in pain. Right. Like no, no, no one. No, we can't even bear to see them get their like first little shots and stuff. I know I cried. (laughs) You know, it's just no one wants to see it. And um, we also know that much of the pain and the suffering that people who are disabled endure is not necessarily because of the disability itself but actually because of the environment and the structures that we live in that treat people who are disabled as though they are less than and that they are unworthy and undeserving and burdensome and all these horrible things. And so when we say, you know, we just want them to be healthy, there is a part of us that's acknowledging that we live in a world that Mm -hmm. decides who's deserving of care, who's deserving of protection, who's deserving of love based off of ability. We, we, I think we are acknowledging that without really maybe intentionally or unintentionally addressing that. And so really what that is an imitation for us to do is to say, well, in what ways am I upholding this world? In what mm-hmm. ways am I benefiting from this world? In, in what ways can I work to be in solidarity with folks that are doing work to dismantle this world that is that this construct in this world, like that's an opportunity for us um, to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You sent out an email recently uh, and one of the messages in there um, spoke around, you know, doing anti-racist work and the way in which perfectionism gets in the way of that. And I know, I know that there have absolutely been those, those days where something you know, there's another um, another black death in the news, right? And I want to get on Instagram and I want to address it. And I want to talk about it. And then that part of me, that perfectionist part of me that I've had a very long-term relationship with comes in and whispers, but what if you get it wrong? What if you don't say the right thing? What if someone calls you out on something. And then, oh, it is, it is really scary to embrace the humanity and my, my whole humanness that has more to learn, right? That like doesn't know certain things, that is vulnerable, that's going to get it wrong. 
and then to still show up with that because it feels like taking off the armor that we've used to protect us and the armor that we at I know for me that I at some point learned I need I, that I needed to put on in order to like be lovable and to like belong you know and that is terrifying um but a worthwhile <laughs> like you know I think that like anxiety is always like looking for the threats right? But it doesn't always get it right. Sometimes there's these meaningful risks that we, you know, have to stick anxiety in the back seat and keep moving forward towards these things that are deeply meaningful and uh, uh, powerful and valuable for us to move towards, even though that part of us is saying, oof, but then they'll see that you're, <laughs> like, there's parts of you that don't know things or that are broken or that are vulnerable and and then we have to still show up anyway right they'll see that you are human yeah Ooh. <laughs> that's the last thing that is the last thing that white culture mm. wants to, mm. want to acknowledge or admit you know mm. and the thing is white women are offered far more opportunities to make mistakes and are offered far more protection. Obviously we have patriarchy and the violence of that that comes yeah. into play. However, that whiteness is a shield and it is a, a shield that protects white women, especially when it comes to making mistakes around racism, whether it's blatantly doing something racist, which is not a mistake, it's a decision at that point, mm -hmm. or it's saying the wrong thing when attempting to do the right thing. Right. There's a lot of grace that's extended. And I definitely think that it's important that we pair that grace with accountability because often that grace really is coddling mm -hmm. and absolving um, folks of responsibility and accountability. And what we know to be true for black women and black folks, period, is that there's no margin of error for us. You know, you can have a black child go knock on a person's door and it'd be the wrong house and they'd be shot in the face. So yeah. You know, the consequences and the, and the results of Black folks just being fully human, the, the outcomes of just existing as human beings, when we make mistakes, when we are just human, which we are always human, and that comes with a lot of different things, the consequences are deadly. They're yeah. absolutely deadly. And a lot of times white women, white people will hide behind this idea of perfectionism and will convince themselves that the reason why I'm not doing this thing or I'm not pushing myself to do that thing is because I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. it's because I'm afraid that I'll make mistakes. And then yeah. they'll even say, I'm afraid that I'm going to hurt someone. 
But really, if we look at that a little more closely, what we'll find is that the person isn't so much afraid of hurting Black folks because they care about Black people not experiencing harm, because to decide to do nothing is harmful. And the mistake is the complacency. The mistake is staying silent. The mistake is refusing to invest in ongoing education and in community so that you can learn and grow. And so if there really was a desire and a commitment to reduce harm and prevent causing more harm, then that would be coupled with real action and behaviors that support that. But it's, it's not. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And, and so, you know, maybe the listener right now is hopefully still here and um, is saying, okay, I hear you. And what's my next step? And, um, you know, you've got a ton of offerings where what you just described can take place. And I think that there's also, you know, and, and with those, part of that, part of the step within that is breaking up with perfectionism ourselves and, and, and breaking the cycle within our homes. And so what are some, what are some first steps that folks can take to begin to unhook from the harmful cycle of perfectionism and the dehumanization that happens within perfectionism, you know, within their own, within their own systems, right? Within the systems in which they have agency for themselves, for their families, for their communities. One of the things that I want to encourage us to commit to is curiosity. And starting with questions and continuing on with questions such as, what am I getting out of this? How is this benefiting me? What am I hoping to achieve or accomplish with this? And and by this, we can say this behavior, this decision, this attitude, this perspective, whatever the case may be. What's driving me? What's driving me? What's motivating me? And what am I trying to protect and why? And is it worth what I'm risking, what I'm compromising? One of the things that I say in my program, Unity Over Comfort, is that everyone has a threshold. Everyone has a place that they get to it and they're not ready to go further. And the goal isn't to just identify the threshold and, and see it. It's just no different than it is, isn't the goal to, okay, I see the dust and then just leave it there. The goal is to identify mm-hmm. it and get rid of it and to, to, to move beyond it. And that's really challenging for folks. And so what I tell people, you know, when it comes to the areas where you're making those compromises, perhaps maybe you are afraid to speak up when you hear a racist conversation happening at your household with your with your intimate partner and maybe you overhear a conversation over the phone or with with friends and you're afraid to speak up because you don't want to have any type of confrontation so you can say to yourself what's the compromise is black lives and so you've decided in those moments of silence and inactivity 
to maintain and protect yourself, protect what is a sense of pseudo peace, because why is it peaceful to maintain white supremacy and compromise black lives? And so those are the type of things to think about when we're getting curious and we're asking questions. And the answers are just as important as the questions and how we feel about the answers and what we do with ourselves and how we handle the emotions around the answers and what we uncover about ourselves. Because what I do know is that a lot of times white people get really caught in shame when it comes to unpacking this, these feelings and these questions and uncovering things about themselves or about their friends and families. They feel a lot of shame and embarrassment. And so instead of learning how to work through those discomforting feelings and move forward, they regress and move back to that place mm. of comfort because it's just too discomforting and too disorienting for them to push through. And so we actually have a tool, we call it a shine tool, where we help folks use that tool to navigate those uncomfortable feelings because it is going to come up and you don't need to ignore them. You don't have to deny them. You don't have to pretend they, they aren't there. You can learn how to process them. So that, that would be my first thing is for folks to commit to curiosity and then to also commit to education. One of the things that I believe is such a disservice for us who are raised or have been raised in the U.S. education system is that, okay, once I'm finished with school, then learning is done. And most people don't read a book outside of school. Most folks don't take classes for personal growth and interest and curiosity. It's usually out of obligation or to like advance in some way. And so I would encourage folks to invest in education, learn about these things. We have a number of programs. There's no reason to be willfully ignorant other than to maintain a violent system. So there's information out there. I encourage people to invest and to learn about it and get involved and then do it with someone where you can hold each other accountable and learn and grow in community. Oh, okay. There were like several, several like aha moments as you were speaking for me um, uh, and just as I continue to learn from you. And one of them was this idea around like, our education system, like really, and I think it, that system really does promote this idea that like you are learning to achieve this benchmark and it's not about the process and it's not about like how then it translates into your real life. It's like for this achievement, right? Like to pass this test, to be on the Dean's list, to get the degree. And then, but they're, we're missing like the, the teaching of the law of the, the process of learning, right? Like, and and then how we can apply that to actually creating a, a better world, right? And 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 I think that for you know because that's been ingrained in us, then the idea of like learning for personal growth, right? Um, and is is not with without without getting some like here's your gold star for doing it, right? Like that's we we don't we don't even I don't even think we've we've flexed that muscle enough to know to feel comfortable doing that to feel like to even think of doing it at times and yeah so I think the the our education system especially at least here in the U S that's my reference point 
I think definitely is, uh, is, is messed up in that way. <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, the continued learning for personal growth without it needing to be something that just gives us that uh, benchmark achievement, right? And the idea that actually we're never going to reach a benchmark when it comes to this. It's just it's lifelong work. Is is something that we have to relearn? Yeah, <laughs> relearn how to learn. <laughs> learning for community care, learning so that we can learn how to care for one another in community in a more affirming and and supportive and nurturing ways. A lot of times, as well, there's a very individualistic approach to our commitment to education. So personal growth, yes, that's important. And I encourage folks to, to learn and explore their personal growth journey and healing and learning to be more present and caring and supportive in community. And white supremacy, which created white culture, which one of the many when one of the, the strong tenets of white culture is individualism, one of the ways to repair the harm, the harm of that and divest from individualism is to have a deep commitment and interest and and desire to be in community and to be healthy in community. And that requires thinking beyond yourself and being interested and curious about things unrelated to your day-to-day interactions or what you feel is necessary or important. That's the stretch. That's the, the expansion that's possible when we decide that, you know what, life is not just about what I want or about the folks who are within the four walls of my home or my environment. There's so much more out there and so much more to gain when we are in community with one another, that right there, that's the, that's the sweet spot. That's the jam. Mm. And I know when it comes to your offerings, community is a part of that. Can you share with us a little bit more about those offerings for continued learning and for being in community as we're learning? Yeah, thank, thank you. We have the Shine Bright School, which is a global community of people who are committing to doing the work of anti-racism from the inside out. So we're doing the inner work. We're doing the relationship work. We're doing the systemic work. And they're committing to doing this work for liberation. We have a community that has a full library of resources, which includes our shine classes from topics from perfectionism, relationships, diet culture, boundaries, all sorts of things. And we also have live events and we have guest guest facilitator opportunities. And we also provide a ongoing place for continued discussion and dialogue throughout the week so that folks are expressing their ideas, sharing perspectives, sharing resources, building connection and building relationships with one another. We have that through the Shine Bright School. It's a, it's a membership community. And then we also have a program that is relatively new and it's called Reclaim and it's invitation only. It's And right now the current cohort is um, 
a group of women who have worked with me over the past couple of years through my different Unity Over Comfort programs. We had 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. And now we have Reclaim. And what I'm really loving about this community, amongst many things, is this experience about learning how to embody this work and reclaiming our humanity. And now we're getting ready to do a 2.0 of that, and then we're going to open another cohort of that. And folks who have done Unity Over Comfort will have an opportunity to enroll in that. But what I love about it is that the program, embedded in the program, is intentional relationship building and community connections. And what I've learned from just asking them about that experience is how restorative that's been. And now people are making relationships with folks that will probably last a lifetime. They're getting to know each other on personal, individual levels. They're checking in with each other. They're supporting one another. One of the students reached out and told me, you know, they feel so supported because something really devastating happened. And they said they just feel so loved and supported by this community. Community can be healthy. Community can be healing and restorative community can be so liberating, but we have to be willing to do the work within ourselves and do the work to show up and commit and invest in, in community. And I know everything around us tells us that we don't need people. We should be independent. We should be self-made. We should rely on ourselves and all these types of things, but those are lies it's not true. We are meant to be in community. We are meant to be in relationships. They need to be healthy and strong and supportive. And that is absolutely what we're building in the Shine Bright School. And I'm really excited that folks are excited to be in community with us because everyone says the same thing. They're like, I love this community. It's so positive and encouraging because we have some very clear foundational work that everyone is invited to do and held accountable to. And, and when you do that and you have standards and you say, this is what this community will be and this is how we're going to get there, folks have to line up accordingly. And we have a really, really beautiful community and I'm really grateful and excited for what we're doing. You know, I've always found that like it's, I'm so much, I'm in such a better position to learn when I, when I see that shame is showing up and keeping me from being connected and embrace the vulnerability and the discomfort that comes with showing up as fully human, which then is a bridge to feeling less alone because then others, you get to see other people's humanities and you get to see that, oh, I'm I'm not alone in this experience. Mm-hmm. And when we feel less alone, our brain just opens up. And is able to actually take in and learn and integrate. And so I think it's a it's a beautiful, powerful thing that you're doing that is really goes against a lot of these systems that have upheld white supremacy. You know, I'm even thinking of, you know, capitalism and just the 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 push for buy this thing to avoid discomfort, right? <laughs> like everything is about get this thing, buy this thing, then you'll be happy. Then you won't have to feel that uncomfortable feeling anymore. And it's it's just, um, it's, it's hurting us because discomfort is part of humanity. It's the bridge to uh, change and growth and learning and connection. So 
you're doing beautiful work. And um, for the listener, you can head to the link in the show notes to learn more about the Shine Bright community and to learn more from Monique. Thank you so much, Monique, for taking the time to hold space for this conversation with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for the listeners. Appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.